spiritual opposition, we have our flesh to deal with, and we have the world, the Bible says. They all oppose us. And so Saul is a type of Satan constantly plotting to destroy David. Like the enemy is constantly plotting to destroy us. Doesn't want us to live in our full potential as men as God intended us to live. Saul is a type of the flesh. He's pretending to like you. He pretended to like David. And, you know, David was at his right hand providing entertainment for David feeding him the ideas of pleasure and hopes. But his goal was to ensnare him, just like our flesh. Our flesh tells us, oh man, I want that. Our eyes, you know, oh man, that looks so good. Our pride, you know, I'm better than them. You know, that's the flesh pretending that, you know, you need something else. And also uh, Saul is a type of the world. He opposes you because of your relationship with his son. See, David had a special relationship with Jonathan. And Jonathan humbled himself and submitted himself to David. And Saul didn't like that. And our enemy, Satan, doesn't like that anyways, too. He doesn't like us to submit in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So he's going to do everything he can to destroy us because of that relationship. So in verse 1, it says, now David, because David was on the run. Saul was after him. Saul was trying to kill him. But this is after the time of Goliath, where he won a great major victory. But here in verse 1, it said, now David came to Nod to Abimelech, the priest. And Abimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, why are you alone and no one is with you? You see, David was running, but David was running somewhere, but he wasn't running. But where was he running to? He was running here. The the Bible says here to Abimelech, the priest. You see, David sought refuge and David's refuge was he was seeking a man. He was seeking a place. He was seeking things. And so David found himself a man. And remember, you know, when we go through difficulties or we have fear, we look to man to uh, solve our problems a lot of times. And here David's afraid. And he wants a man to help him. And, And a lot of times we want our brothers to help us in an area where Only God can help us. And we leave God out of the equation. And a lot of times we want to seek help from our brothers. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we leave God out so many times. And here David is running to the priest. And you know what? I remember having a spiritual episode. You know, the enemy was attacking my family in the in the in the late 80s. You know, my my mom came to Christ, my brothers came to Christ, and one of my last brothers was coming to Christ. You know, the world had him, and finally he started surrendering. But then he had a spiritual attack one night, and he was afraid. And here's a grown man in fear. Man, there's some spiritual opposition. And then he came in, he he told my mom, and she started praying for him. 
And then all of a sudden, man, I got afraid, man, because I felt something, man. And I was, I was, I was scared. I was, I was a 12-year-old boy, and I was, I, was, I was frightened because I knew there was spiritual opposition at the age of 12. And I remember, you know, my brother's afraid, my mom is praying, and I'm standing there, and I'm, oh, man, I'm, I'm afraid. And back then, TBN was really big, and Paul and Jan Crouch were on the TV. And I would tell my mom, Mom, call Jan and Paul, call Jan and Paul, I'm scared. Like, they're going to deliver me. They're going to help me. I was calling for skin. I wanted skin. See, David was driven by fear. And I wanted skin. And David wanted skin. He wanted. Now, it said, now he came to Nob because David was afraid. But it also says here that Abimelech was afraid. Abimelech was afraid. See, David, we know, was afraid because of Saul, but Abimelech, it doesn't, it doesn't say the things, why he was afraid. But to Abimelech here, I call it a DLR, doesn't look right. Something just didn't look right. Here's David, the king's right hand man, coming. He's alone. David's appearance probably is concerning. David seemed desperate in need of basic necessities. And here's the king's man, and he, he's out there alone. His appearance looks bad. And that's what happens when we isolate ourselves from God or we are distanced from God. We isolate ourselves from God's people. Our appearance starts to become a little shabby, and then we start becoming desperate of uh, basic necessities and spiritual blessings. You see, fear can call us, cause us to make hasty or even bad decisions, and, and, and David was driven by fear. You see, fear was a governing factor in David's life at this time in history. It was a governing factor. It was leading him to make mistakes in his decisions. You see, there, there is good fear, guys, and there's bad fear. You know, I, I think about going up into a mountain. I like to go and hike. I like, I like to see a great scenic view. I like to go up there and, man, wow, it looks so beautiful up here. But a lot of times, you know, when I'm going up that mountain, I'm standing on those, on those uh, pathways and it, man, if I look down, it looks pretty scary. It's, it's a long way down. So healthy fear tells me, don't get close to the edge. Why? You're going to fall. Healthy fear keeps me safe, closer to the mountain. And so, men, we need to have a healthy fear with God. Hey, if I step over the line too far, eventually I'm going to fall. But I want to stay close to the mountain. I want to stay close in my relationship with God. That's healthy fear. Respect God. I respect Him and His ways. He knows better. But David had an unhealthy fear here. And his fear uh, was, was dictating his decisions. But when David was afraid, like most people... They want to be close to God by association of location. And here it says David went to Nod. And, and Nod was a priestly city in Benjamin, just a little north of Jerusalem. 
Now, Abimelech here asks a couple questions. And asking questions is good, guys. We need to ask questions. Ask questions. If you don't know something, ask questions. If you, you know, it, it's always good. When something doesn't look right in a person's life, ask questions. How you doing, man? Get that phone call. Text them. Hey, how you doing? You okay? Are you okay? When something doesn't look right and our brothers, we're called to be our brother's keeper. We're to take care of each other. So when we're not here, we, we call each other. We text each other. We encourage one another because something doesn't look right. But when something doesn't look right here and David is David goes and Abimelech starts asking questions. And here he says, why are you alone, David? Why are you alone? Second question, why is no one with you? But verse 2 says, And David said to Abimelech, the priest, The king has ordered me on some business. And he said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you, or what I have commanded you, and I have directed my young men to such and such a place. So here he lies. David lies. Fear makes him go to nod. Fear makes him lie. You know, and, and that's what happens. Sin is, it's like a snowball. It, you know, you start, it starts growing. And so he lies. Here, the first lies that basically he's saying, I'm just following directions. It's business, but let's keep it to ourselves. Let, you know, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. You know what? Who knows? He, they might not know, but God knows. See, we guys, we can't fool God. God knows all things. And he knows here David is lying. But the priest doesn't know. He says, I'm just following orders. I have been, I, and I, and second thing he tells them, I have directed the young men to such and such a place. You see, guys, the Bible tells us not to be suspicious, but when things don't look right, ask. Ask questions. But always get God involved. Why do we get God involved in our difficulties and our fear and when things just don't look right? Because God is omniscient. He knows all things. I want the, God to give me the information I need to deal with the problem, to deal with the situation, to understand where they're coming from. Because like David, they could be lying to me. And I want to get God's wisdom. See, God's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. We can't hide from him. And he's all powerful. Because usually when somebody comes and like here in this case, David is saying things, but he's not giving all the information. You see, why do I go to God? I call it milk. M-I-L-K. I have milk compared to God. I have missing information. M, missing. I, information. And I have L, limited K, knowledge. I have missing information and limited knowledge. That's why I go to God. Because he has all knowledge, all wisdom. He knows what I need for every situation. So it's when 
things don't look right, get God involved. Get God involved in the, uh, in the situation. But we do the same thing. Honestly, we do the same thing. We, we don't get God involved. I do it. I've done it before. I, I believe this is something that we need to learn as men of God. You know, when I'm, I have difficulties, when I'm feeling emotional, when I'm angry, when I am afraid, when, when things don't look right, when things are bad, get God involved. But get God involved always. Always get God involved. We're missing out so much by trying to handle life by ourselves. And Jesus said in John 14, I will give you the helper. He will guide you into all truth. He will help you. He will bring to remembrance all things that I have taught you. Man, he's with you wherever you go. And we leave him out of so much of our decision making or our emotional feelings. And David did here too. We do the same. So I believe this is something the Lord is showing me. I need to do more. Get God involved in the affairs of our daily lives. But David went to the house of the Lord, but he only went to the house of the Lord for his flesh. His, he was afraid, right? He's running because of fear. He goes to the house of the Lord, but he's also seeking what? Is he seeking God's wisdom, his counsel, his guidance? No, he wants bread. He's seeking to satisfy his only his temporal needs. There's something he needs a little more than just bread. And, and when we have problems, guys, there's something we need a little more than our fleshly needs. God is there's something inside that that God is doing that I need guidance. People do this all the time. And there's nothing wrong, wrong with it when they come with difficulty. People come a lot for marriage issues. They have vices of drugs and alcohol and sexual addictions. They come here for 20 bucks. They come here for vouchers for hotel. They come here for food all the time. But David here too wasn't seeking refuge from God. He wasn't seeking God's help. He wasn't seeking God's counsel. He wasn't seeking God's guidance. When people come to the house of the Lord, they're not always sharing the whole truth of what's going on. And a lot of times when people come here and they're like, you know what, I'm going through a hard time. Can you give me 20 bucks? You know, this 20 bucks or a voucher. And I, you know, when I can, I'll, I'll help out. But they're not giving you the whole story. And so what I usually do is I share the gospel. I bring them to Christ. I give them the gospel because that's the great man's greatest need is, is the word of God. Salvation. No one's promised tomorrow. Hebrews 9, 27 says it is appointed for man to die once. Then the judgment. That guy might go out and I might never see him again. So I share the gospel with them. And a lot of times just to go along with it. Some of them say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll receive the Lord. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's because they want the 20 bucks. And they'll say, and, and I'll lead them in the sinner's prayer. And they say, the sinner's prayer. And I'll say, okay, so you're homeless. Do you, okay, uh, do you have a family? Yeah, but you don't understand. And I say, well, wait a minute. You reconcile with God and God now wants you to reconcile with your family. I don't want to do that. If that's what God's word says. Do you got that 20 bucks? 
You know, and David here was going for bread. He was, he was thinking his temporal, temporal things. I, I've seen God heal marriages. I've seen guys, God get men off the streets. I've seen God, you know, change a transient into a, a man of God and, and, and do a work of the Spirit. Bring him out of those, those uh, bad places. I've seen it. I lived it. But we see David here even showing kind of proud here. Boasting, showing his own authority or kind of uh, uh, putting his chest out. And he, he makes demands here using the king's name. He says, the king sent me on business, but don't let anybody know. Don't let anybody know. Secondly, he says, you know. I directed my young man. Man, I'm in charge. I directed my own man. Here he can't get bread, but he's he's claiming to be a big somebody. And a lot of times God will humble us when we think we're somebody. And we see David showing his authority. And in verse 3, it says, Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. So David, you know, is, is kind of desperate here now. You know, fear makes you desperate. Sin makes you desperate. It brings you down. You know, here David will settle for what he says here in the text. Whatever. Or whatever, I'll take whatever. First he's like, I'll take this, but. And the priest answered in verse 4 and said to him, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. And holy bread is bread that is set apart for the Lord and for the priests. And Abimelech goes on here and he says, If the young men have at least kept themselves from women, they could partake. Verse 5. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us for about three days since I came out. Uh, there's part truth. I, I came out and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in effect common, even though it is consecrated in the vessels this day. See, the only problem was David was alone. David was alone here. And, you know, as I was reading the commentaries, you know, they they believe the commentators believe David was by himself. But when things are unclear, we always go to Jesus. Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 3 through 4, talks about this same occasion. Because I, as I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, David's alone and he wants five breads and he's by himself. And he lied first that he's on the king's business. But then I thought myself, I, as I was studying, I thought he was lying about the men. And some of the commentators believe that he's lying about the men too. David was alone. But Jesus brings clarity. Jesus is always the authority. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 about this occasion, he said, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those with him? How he entered the house of God and he ate the showbread, which is not lawful for them to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only the priests. So Jesus tells us, and no, 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 actually there were guys with him. So he wasn't lying on the second part. 
He was only a part truth. But a part truth is also a lie. And lies are not, a, not good. Now, uh, he's, Jesus is the authority. So whenever it comes to anything in the word of God, Jesus is always the authority. So we see in verse 6, So Abimelech, the priest, gave him the holy bread, for there was uh, showbread there, and he had taken it before the Lord, uh, and he put hot bread in there. Verse 7 says, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief herdsman who belonged to Saul. Now, what's interesting here, it says, and Doeg was detained before the Lord. The Lord knew. This was a divine appointment. The Lord is testing David's heart. And we see David again moving in fear. He's afraid of Saul. He's afraid to tell the truth to Abimelech the priest. Now he's afraid he sees Dog. And it says he was detained before the Lord. In other words, the Lord, you know, he could have been way on his way, but something happened. Maybe he got a flat on his chariot. You know, something happened. Something happened where he couldn't go and couldn't go. And, and he was detained by the Lord. So don't take your when things don't go right and you're not in a place where you're supposed to be on time as you could say, hey, the Lord has me here for a reason. Look around. I've seen many cases like that. You know, I had Pastor Steve. I wanted Pastor Steve. to. You probably heard the story. I share it a lot. But I my mom was sick. She was in the hospital. And I wanted Pastor Steve to go pray for my mom. And what happened was I, I was working as a truck driver at that time. I was doing my route. I was trying to bust it out because I wanted to go see my mom. I wanted to go see my mom before I got home because I'd get home late from traffic. And so I, I was busting out my route. And finally, I'm done with my route. I call Pastor Steve. This is about like 530 in the afternoon. And I call Pastor Steve and I said, hey, Pastor Steve, can you go see my mom? And she's in the hospital. And he goes, where is she? And I said, she's at inner community. And he chuckles. <laughs> he laughs. And I said, oh, okay. and, and he goes, what room is she in? And I said, 203, and he chuckles again. And I, I said, you know, what's up? And he goes, I'm here. I'm here. He goes, do you remember his blue car, his Ford Fairmont? It broke down. He tried to, he went and visited somebody in the hospital. He, he went to his car. He went to his, to turn it on and it wouldn't start. He was delayed. He was delayed so he could go and pray for my mom. And when I told him the room, he chuckled because it was next door to his mother-in-law where he went to pray with her. Just, you know, God's amazing. God's in control. That's why we need to communicate and get in tune with God. Get him involved. And I'm so glad. And, and you know what? That so blessed my heart. So there had been many times Pastor Chuck... Uh, mentioned that he pushed the wrong button. He went on a hospital visit and pushed the wrong button, ended up on the wrong floor, comes out, and somebody says, Pastor Chuck, you're here, you're here to pray for my mom. And he's like, okay. He just walks out there, and 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 that was just a divine appointment. It was somebody in his congregation, and God 
worked it out that way. So here, Dog is detained. Now, it says he's a servant of Saul. He was a, a man of high position. At the sight of Dog here, it prompts David to be gripped with fear. You see, David here is not seeking God to intervene on his behalf, and we do. You know, when I go through difficulties with somebody, man, I start, I start praying. Lord, I need you to intervene. I need you to intervene. Why? Because I might say something wrong, especially if it's my wife. You know, I, 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 get, I get God involved all the time when me and my wife have a disagreement. I, that's the first one I call. I'll pause and I'll say, so you don't hear me, but I'm praying. I'm praying, God, get involved. I need you. Why? Because the enemy wants to rob, kill, and destroy us. He wants to bring us apart. He uses little things. Little things. And, you know, this fear grips David, but David doesn't call on God to intervene. You see, fear causes David to put his faith in an object, as we'll see right now. Again, not in God. And, you know, we'll see what happens here as a result of David not getting God involved. There's trouble. That's part two. Art will be teaching that next week, uh, next month. So stay tuned for that. So David is in fear. And verse 8 says, in fear, it says, that David said to Abimelech the priest, is there not here on hand a sword or a spear, a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business inquired haste. So fear makes you do things and not be prepared for what needs to happen. Not being in tune with God. I'm, 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 I'm unequipped for the day. That's why I want to encourage you guys, get in the word in the morning. Get in, get, put your sword on in the morning. Why? Because you don't know what's going to be happening in the day. So we encourage you guys to read systematically from Genesis to Revelation. Get, put the sword, sword of the Spirit. E- Ephesians chapter 6 talks about it. Pray before you head out to battle. Don't be unprepared for whatever faces you for the day. So David was unprepared. And here he's looking for refuge, for protection in an object. He's asking for a sword. The sword's not going to protect him. His hope was in the sword. First, it was in the place, then for his provisions. In verse 9, it says, And the priest said to him, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, who you killed in the valley of Eli, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take it, take it. For there is none other except that one here. And I, I like this picture where the sword is. The sword's behind the ephod. The ephod's first. God should, is protecting us first. And then those earthly means. We don't put our faith in objects or weapons. We put our faith in God. The weapons don't save us. But the weapon is behind the ephod. It's in its proper place. But how sad it was here that David wasn't the same man of faith he was in the younger days. He had a lapse of faith here. And guys, we have them. We have them. We have lapses of faith. We go through hills and valleys. We're not perfect. 
God, you know, God called David a man after his own heart. And we see David's failures. Guys, you're going to fail. Get back up. Get back up. But David didn't remember. David forgot. David forgot his God. He forgot who he was. And it's sad that we can too. Remember, David didn't need a sword with Goliath. He didn't need a sword. That was the great Philistine, the mighty man, huge, nine foot tall. He didn't need a sword in his victory against Goliath. Goliath had the sword. We remember David's words in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 through 51. Let me read them to you. Because this is David sometime after. Not very long. But it says, And David said to the Philistine, the enemy, David said to the Philistine, You come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, and whom you defile. This day... The Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcass and of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that it may be known in Israel. Listen to what David says here. That it may be known in Israel that there is a God in Israel. That all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by sword nor spear. For the battle is the Lord. He will give you into my hands. And so it was when the Philistine arose up and drew near to meet David. That David hurried and ran forward. He didn't run away. He ran forward to meet the army of the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag, took out the stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And it sank into his head. And he fell on his face to the ground. David prevailed with a sling and a stone. And it said that he, he got the sword of Goliath and he beheaded him. He wasn't afraid. You see, but here he's acting like an ordinary man. He's acting like an ordinary man. And guys, God didn't call us to be ordinary men. He's called us to be extraordinary men. Extraordinary man. Why? Because we don't function by our own earthly counsel. We're governed by God's counsel. We depend upon His Spirit and His guidance and His provisions and His power. But David forgot. Look at the difference in David here in the contrast in these two chapters. He was just an ordinary man. But here in verse 10, it says, And David arose and he fled in fear. He still has the sword. He's clutching the sword, right? He's clutching the bread. He's clutching the sword. And it says he rose again. He saw Dog. He's afraid of Dog. Dog was no, he was no uh, Goliath. What changed? Something in David's heart. Something in David's mind. He forgot. He forgot who he was and he forgot who God was. 
He forgot who he was and he forgot. So David runs in fear that day from before Saul. And then he goes to Achish, king of Gath. And David seeks refuge, not in a place, not in a man, not in an object, but again, another man. Another man. He, now, he's, now he's looking to Achish, his enemy, to protect him from Saul. In verse 11, he gets rejected by the servants of Achish. They said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? They saw David as the king. That's interesting. Ain't that David, the king of the land? Saul was the king, but they recognized David as the king. David forgot. Remember when David was a little boy, what did they do? They anointed him with oil to be the king. But David forgot. David, don't forget who you are, guys. You guys are mighty men of God. You're not ordinary men. You can be ordinary, but you can be extraordinary. It depends on where your relationship is with the Lord. Okay, I could be an ordinary man functioning in my flesh. Getting by getting beat up every day and, you know, doing my own thing. I don't want to be an ordinary man. I want to be a transformed man. I want God to do a work of His Spirit in me. And you know what? When we come to that point where we want God to do it, He'll say, okay, I'll do the work. But glorify me. Don't get, think you're something because then. So something, something's going on inside David. So he goes to Achish. Because he believes his enemy is greater than Saul. So they said to him, they also heard of his fame. Here they, they saw David as a king and they heard of his fame, but David forgot. For David forgot who his God was and what he did. And they said, is this not the one that they sing the songs and they dance? saying, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Verse 12. Now David took these words to heart. Again, there's something happening inside. And David was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. See, here, now he's being rejected by men. He's being rejected by men. You're going to be rejected by people. You're going to be rejected by the world. But you know what? Oh, man, we get all hurt. Oh, oh, they're rejecting me. You know what? When I became a Christian, no one wants me at their parties anymore. I, got, I stopped getting invited. I thought it was me. I was, I smell? Do I smell? I'm not looking down at the people. I love the people. They just don't want me around. Don't, they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. They're convicted. So, but date, you know, here... David was afraid and he gets rejected by men. And you know what? Rejection makes you do foolish things. You know, I, even here, I, I remember uh, Pastor Steve had me sit, sit for two years. I didn't get to serve in ministry for two years. Felt rejected. We used to go to count, uh, conferences. We used to go, go away. You know, Pastor Joe used to take us away for like three days. And we used to go have, you know, man, these, these, uh, pastor and uh, uh, leadership conferences and man i you know felt, felt pretty good where this was at the theater and then all of a sudden you know uh i you know go through bible college pastoral school 
And then just nothing's happened. You know, I stepped down from ministry. And, uh, you know, I, I handled things wrong. I handled things wrong at that time. I, did, I didn't sin, but I handled things wrong. I made some decisions because of fear. And God put me on the fence for two years. And I, I remember walking down this uh, walkway right here and saying, man, I, I, I think I want to leave. I think I want to leave. They don't want me here. Feel rejected. You know, I'm being left out. And I'm glad I didn't leave. God told me, why are you here? Are you here for them? Are you here for the position? Are you here for me? And I said, Lord, I hear you clearly. I'm here for you, Lord. I don't need a position. I know all I need is you. And then right after that, it was like, the Lord just opened the door. And it's like, thank you, Lord. But, you know, being rejected by the world makes us do foolish things. Guys, don't be... You know, here, we know you. We love you. You're going to blow it. We still love you. You know, don't be ashamed if you fall short. Get up. We're going to encourage you. We're going to help you. We're going to run the race. We're going we're gonna to carry each other across the finish line. That's our goal, to, to, to go to heaven together. That's our goal. We're going to help each other. But here, he, you know, his being rejected by men, moving in fear, made him to do foolish things. So he changed his behavior here in verse 13. It said he changed his behavior and pretended madness in their minds. And he scratched on the door of the gate and his saliva ran down his beard. And this, the, then Achish said to his servants, look, you have, you see that the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? You know, he's like, man, why are you bringing this guy to me? He's insane. Why have you brought him to me? Verse 15. I have no, I, have I had need of a, a madman? Why have you brought this fellow to play a madman in my presence? Man, I don't want this guy around. Uh, shall this fellow come into my house? And basically, no, you know, he didn't want him around. You know, when the world sees us foolish, Christians acting foolish, because it does when we make bad, foolish decisions and the world's looking at us and they say, ain't these Christians? Ain't, don't, shouldn't they know better? Absolutely, we should know better. And you know what? When somebody says, man, you know, Christians, uh, you know, uh, there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. I, I said, you have a false misconception about Christians. They're not perfect. They're going to blow it. They're going to blow it. You're going to blow it because I blow it. But we get back up. You see, when a, man of, when a man of God isn't being the man of God, God has called him to be. The men of this world won't take him seriously. And, you know, we have a message to share. You know, so we pray that we're blameless because we want people to hear the gospel, the good news. We want them to take us seriously because our message is eternal. But we don't see here in this chapter, as I close, we don't see David seeking God. 
we see him seeking things. We don't see him seeking refuge, seeking salvation, seeking deliverance, seeking relief, help, assistance, guidance from God. We see him looking for a place, looking for two men, looking for a sword. He's looking everywhere except for God. You know, playing the victim to get what he wanted. See, don't put your, your confidence in religious places. Don't put your confidence in objects or, or people. We're going to blow it. We're going to let you down. When God's in the proper place in your life, people, religious places, objects will be in their proper place. You see, there's nothing wrong with priests, the, the priest and, and men of God and and government and swords there's nothing wrong with that in their place but god has to be first god has to be first and that was david's problem god wasn't first he was last but david learned through all this you know art spoke about drifting at our last men's event hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 drifting that guys we can be drifting from god and this wasn't a, a good time in David's life, but le- David learned from this encounter. Later he wrote in Psalms, listen to Psalms 119 verses 9 through 16. David said, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So now David's a different man. Your word, God. How can I cleanse my way by taking heed according to your word? And, he, and listen to what David says in verse 10. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And David was wandering. He drifted. He forgot who God was. He forgot who he was. And we could do the same thing. And David is telling us here in the Psalms 19, 119 to get back in the word. It'll cleanse us. It'll guide us. But David gives us the key. I have sought you with all my heart. And then he prays, let me not wander. Because David's wandering. He's going to Nob and then he's going to enemy territory. So it's a progression. You're, you're drifting is a progression into, you know, being religious. And instead of having a relationship with God, you start becoming religious, just going through the motions. You start drifting. And then next thing you know, you're in enemy's territory, acting like a fool, acting like a fool. I've been there. I was there for 14 years acting like a fool. But David learned, and he says, we need to take heed according to God's word. I need to pay attention to God's word, and I need to seek God with all my heart. And then he prays, Lord, let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11 says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide the word of God in your heart. Daily. You know, remember the manna? God fed the the children of Israel with manna every day. They had to go out and get the manna so much a day. And they would take it to eat. And it sustained them for 40 years. It took care of them. Bread from heaven. Every day. But if they got too much, or they try to keep it over for the next day, what happened to it? It turned to worms. So they had to get it every day. Same thing with us. Guys, we need to be in the Word every day. Why? 
I don't, I don't eat old food that was yesterday's food. It's already in me, digested, and I need new food, right? I don't go, I don't eat bad food. We want fresh food. But here, David closes Psalms 19, verse 12. He says, Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. He's not only reading God's word, he's talking about God's word. I have rejoiced in the ways of your testimony. Man, his, the, God's word in David's life brought him joy brought him joy. David was clinging to this now. He's not clinging to fear. He's clinging to the word of God. He's hiding it in his heart. He's, he's saying it. He's, he's proclaiming it. And it, he's finding rejoicing in his heart. He said, blessed are you, O Lord. God teaches him. And with his lips, he declares God's word and he's rejoicing as much as in all riches. Verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts. In other words, I'll think about what I read. I will contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. That's where David was a fear and he's, he's anxious, he's worried. But here, David, older, is saying, man, I'm going to delight myself in you, in my relationship with you and your words. In verse 16, he says, I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. But somewhere in this season, David forgot. Don't forget, guys. Don't forget who your God is and don't forget who you are in God. David Guzik said of this particular verse, he said, God would teach David to depend on God alone. You know, here, it's not about a place. It's not about a person. It's not about a sword. It's about me. You're depending on everything else but me. And I remember, you know, when I want to get off of, you know, the alcohol and my bad habits, my vices, I was trying, 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 trying. Every time I try, I fail. But when I said, man, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I need you. I need you in this area of my life because I, I, I can't do it. I depended on God. God did the work. He gets the credit. He gets the glory because I didn't do it. And, and I still pray that he still does that work. But God would teach David to depend on God alone. Not himself, not on Saul, not on Jonathan, not anyone. And I added, not anything except God. See, God's... A throne of God is the purpose for you. God wants to get you in the kingdom. But it's by way of the cross and faith. You see, God will allow us to go things. He allowed Dog there. He allowed him to be in difficult situations. And God will allow you guys to, you know, a lot of people take this out of context. And they'll say, God will never give you what you can't handle. That's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. God will put you in situations where you can't handle it so you could depend on him. Do you think David in his own flesh could take care of Goliath? No. No. But he depended on God. Moses and the Red Sea, the Red sea behind me, man. The, the Egyptians are coming after me. Could Moses do it? 
on his own strength? Man, it just blew up. No. It's God. It was God. So, you know, guys, we're living in difficult times. We've got to depend more on God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for these men. Father, may we not forget, Lord. Father, if we're in a season of, of, of wandering, Lord, bring us back. Father, we do pray for a supernatural work of your spirit, Lord. And Father, I've been going through kind of a, a funky time, Lord, where, where I'm just a DLR. just doesn't, doesn't look right, Lord. Things don't look right, Lord. But Father, I, I know you're doing a work, Father, in our lives, Lord. And Father, help us to depend on you and the work of your spirit. And Father, we, we do pray. Father, that you would transform our lives, the little guys here, Lord, the middle guys here, and the older guys here, Lord. Father, we do pray, Lord, that we wouldn't forget your word. Father, that we would walk in the power of your spirit, Lord. And Father, when we face difficulties, we, wouldn't, we would call to you as our first line of resources, not man, not places, not things, but you, Lord. And Father that our conduct would be blameless. We, we wouldn't act like fools or in this fallen world because we're attached to you in a relationship. You guide us. You lead us. May your word be in our lips and in our hearts and in our minds. Father, bless these men. Thank you for them. We ask that you bless this food as we partake together, Lord, of fellowship and worship. And we thank you, Father, and prepare us for tomorrow for your word. Prepare us for fellowship. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. God bless you guys.